Well, everybody wants to know their purpose in life, and that's why we've been spending the spending 40 days looking at God's purpose for your life. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at you were planned for God's pleasure. Your first purpose is get to know and to love God, and that's what we call worship. And then last week, Pastor Kelly talked to you about how you were formed for God's family. God wants you to learn to love other people and get along in his family, and that's what the Bible calls fellowship. And today we're going to look at the third purpose for your life, why God put you on this planet, and we find it in Romans 8, 29, and many other verses in the Bible. But let's look at this verse there in your outline. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, and he knew who would, should become like his son. Now, God's plan has always been to make you like Jesus Christ. Now, let me be real clear here. He's not saying you're going to be a God. You will never be a God. Now, you may be a God in your own mind, and uh, you might want to talk to your wife, and she'll set you straight on that. But God doesn't, want, or God doesn't want you to become a God. He wants you to become godly. He wants you to develop his character. He wants you to uh, develop a character that thinks the way he thinks, feels the way he feels. He wants you to have his moral character. God wants to make you like himself in character. Look at the next verse, Ephesians 4.15. Read it with me aloud. God wants us to grow up like Christ in everything. Now, what does it mean to grow up? It means to be like Christ. You know, babies are cute, but if babies stay babies, that's tragic. You know, that's a lot of sleepless nights, smelly diapers, crying, spit up and spilt milk, right? Now, unfortunately, a lot of people grow older, but they never grow up spiritually. So would you write this down? My third purpose in life is to become like Christ. And that's what we call discipleship. And here's the thing to understand about discipleship. It's a process. Discipleship doesn't happen overnight. It's not like all of a sudden one day, zap, you're like Jesus Christ. It's a process. And this process is called discipleship. And it takes a lifetime. So today we're going to look at how God develops my character to become like Jesus Christ. Now there are a couple of ways that we know of right off the bat that God uses. The first one is we know God uses the Bible. It takes truth to transform us. And if you really want to grow spiritually, you've got to get into God's Word, the Bible. The more you get into it, the more you're going to grow. You need to hear it. You need to read it. You need to study it. You need to memorize it. And you need to meditate on it. It takes God's truth to transform us. But God doesn't just stop there. God wants us to apply it. This gets God's Word into our heart when we apply it. Now, the other thing God uses to help us apply His Word is people. And that's why last week we talked about 
fellowship. And we, we, in fellowship, we learn from each other. We grow and we develop. And the more you get with people and the more you get with Christians, the more you're going to grow spiritually. But he uses more than the Bible, and he uses more than fellowship. Let's look at the next verse, Romans 8, 28. In most things, God works for the good. Oh, I read that wrong. In all things. God works for the good for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. Circle all there. Put arrows pointing to it. So what is His purpose? God works all things for good to make us like Jesus. That is what this whole purpose-driven life and whole purpose-driven model is all about. It's about applying what you know in your everyday, ordinary life. It includes all, all things in your life. Even the bad things, the painful things. You know, the mistakes we make when we sin. In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. It doesn't say all things are good because there's a lot of bad in the world. But in all things, God uses it to make me like Christ. Today, we're going to look at three very unexpected tools that God uses to help you become like Christ. And we're going to see them in the life of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus had troubles in the garden. And Jesus had temptation in the desert. And he had trespasses on the cross. And if you're going to grow to be like Jesus Christ, God's going to take you through these same life experiences. Now, the problem is these things don't happen automatically. You have to have your mind ready. And that's why those things that we talked about earlier about God's Word, you need to hear it, you need to read it, you need to study it, you need to memorize it, and you need to meditate on it. Those are important. But you also have to have your heart ready. And that's why worship and fellowship are so important. If your mind and your heart isn't ready you're going to become bitter by these things instead of better. So let's take a look at three unexpected tools that God uses us to teach us to be like Christ. Number one, if you'll write this down, God uses trouble to teach us to trust Him. Now in the Bible, trouble is often called trials. And trials are situations allowed and often designed by God to draw us closer to Him. They're not designed to hurt us. They're designed to help us. Look at this verse, Romans 5, 3-4. Trouble produces patience. Patience produces character. And character produces hope. God is always more interested in your character than He is in what you do, your career. You're not going to take your career with you to heaven, but you are going to take your character. You know, as a pastor, I get this comment all the time. Yeah, but you're a pastor. That's easy for you to say you're a pastor. You're a man of the cloth. You don't have to worry about those things. You know, literally, the day before the title pastor was placed before my name, I was an iron worker. I had the title journeyman iron worker before my name. 
Putting the title pastor before my name did not change my character. Receiving the title pastor was a result of my character. The title pastor defines my responsibilities, not my character. And the same is true for you. What is your character like as a nurse, as a truck driver, a salesman, a mom, a dad, a wife, a husband, or a Christian? Is it the same character as Christ? And so God says the goal of life is character, not your career, not your title. God also says the goal of life is character and not your own personal comfort. And until you understand this, life isn't going to make much sense because all kinds of problems are going to come your way. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties in life. And you're going to go, why me, Lord? Why is this happening to me? As if your life is supposed to be a life of comfort. The goal of life is not comfort. This life is not heaven on earth. One day you're going to be in a place with no problems, no trials, and no difficulties. And that's called heaven. That's going to be a great place. And you're going to spend forever there. But if you keep thinking you're going to have heaven on earth, you're going to be very disappointed in life. This life is not the place for comfort. It's a place for character development. And one of the things it takes to develop character is trouble produces patience. Patience produces character. And, and character produces hope. Now, would you write this down in your outline? Every problem has a purpose. It doesn't matter whether you caused it, somebody else caused it, or the devil caused it. Every problem has a purpose. And what is that purpose? It's to make me like Jesus Christ. To build character in my life. It's on-the-job training. Jesus' greatest trial was the night before he was crucified. He knew what he was going to have to face the next day. And the intensity of that turmoil in his heart was enormous. He was going to take the sins of the world on himself. He was going to die a horrible death by crucifixion. And the real question for him that night would be, would he trust God? Would he trust God to know what's best for his life, even if it meant an extremely painful death? That's what Jesus had to struggle with that night. And so notice, under the stress of carrying the weight of the world, he asked his disciples to stay with him while he prayed. Look at this verse, Mark 14, 32. They came to the garden called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Now notice, even Jesus needed friends while he was going through troubles. You know, that's why you need a church. That's why you need a small group. That's why we talked about fellowship last week. Nobody is supposed to go through troubles alone. Even Jesus needed friends. If you guys would just hang out with me while I pray here. The stress and anguish over him. And he said, the worry in my heart is so great that it almost crushes me. This is major trouble he's going through. And he said, I'm almost crushed when I think of what's going to happen tomorrow. 
what I'm going to have to go through. And most of you say, I know that feeling of when I think I can't make it another day. And notice Jesus' response here in this next verse. Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will, not mine. If you're going to become like Jesus, you're going to have to learn it's okay to say to God, God, I don't like this. God, would you please take this away from me? God, I know it's possible for you to take this away from me. But you're also going to have to learn to say, I know everything is possible with you, yet this is what's best for me. Your will be done in my life. You know, Jesus, he surrendered to God's plan. He says, whatever fulfills your purpose in my life, that's what I will do. If you're going to become like Jesus Christ, you've got to learn to trust God completely. Even when things look terrible, things look like they're going to fall apart. When you're saying, I don't understand this. I'm dying. I'm sinking. I can't take anymore. You're going to have to learn to trust God completely just the way Jesus did. Because God uses trouble to teach us to trust Him. You know, it's easy to trust God when everything is going great in your life. But the real test of your faith is what what do you do when things aren't so good? When you don't feel like hanging out with God. When everything is going wrong. You have these bad feelings. You know, God often takes away our feelings in order to teach us faith. So the next time you get into into trouble and you go, why is this happening to me? Well, now you know why. God is teaching you to trust Him. And here are a couple of helpful things that will help you along the way when you go through troubles. You know, some of you are in trouble right now. So the first thing I would encourage you to do is to keep a spiritual journal. You know, God told Moses to do this when they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. In Numbers 33.2 it says, At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. Now, keeping a spiritual journal is not the same thing as a dear diary. The difference between a diary and a journal is that a diary is a recording of the events in your life. And a journal is a, reco- is a recording of the lessons learned, your insights that you've learned in your life. You know, that's the difference. What did I learn today? What you learned today is something looking looking is worth something looking back on. And there's another value of having a journal. It helps you see your progress. Most of us don't realize how much we've changed. In fact, most of us are pretty hard on ourselves as Christians. And keeping a spiritual journal allows you to see the changes in your life, and it's an encouragement when you feel discouraged. The second thing is to remember the reward. In eternity, God is going to reward your character development. And this is great news. In the Bible, it says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory 
that far out outweighs them all. You know, the Apostle Paul says here, what you're going through isn't going to last. And even if it lasted a lifetime, it's nothing compared to eternity. I love this verse in the message paraphrase. It says this. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times and the lavish celebration prepared for us. The lavish celebration. There's a second surprising way, an unexpected tool that God works in our lives to make us more like Jesus Christ. God uses our temptations to teach us to obey Him. Now, I think it's important to be real clear about the definition of temptation. Temptations are situations designed by Satan, and they're intended to harm us. That's what temptations are. God never tempts us, but God is able, because of His greatness, of His power, and who He is, to use Satan's temptations for good in our lives. Because temptations always provide a choice. And when I choose God's way rather than Satan's way, then Satan's plan is ruined. God uses the choices I make when tempted to help me to grow spiritually. Let's look at the life of Jesus. Jesus faced temptation. He never sinned, but he faced temptation. You know, right after he was baptized, at the very beginning of his public ministry, he went through an intense 40 days of temptation in the desert. Look at what the Bible has to say in Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, if Jesus faced temptations, guess what? You're going to face temptation too. The fact that he faced temptation reminds us of some truths. Number one, remember that it is not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted, yet he never sinned. And number two, remember that everyone is tempted in the same ways. You know, one of the greatest uh, tricks that Satan uses is he gets us to believe that our temptation is unique, that it's different than anybody else's in the whole world. But that's not true. Your temptation is just like everyone else's. We're all alike. We all face the same temptations. And if you're scared by a temptation that you're facing, remember that Jesus faced temptation. And God is able to help you get through it. It's also important to remember that you'll never outgrow temptation. You will never get to a point where you're so spiritual in life that you won't be tempted. I mean, there was nobody more spiritual than Jesus Christ, yet he was tempted. And you never get so old that you're not tempted anymore. We're all tempted throughout our entire lives. But it's important to remember that Jesus teaches us that every temptation is an opportunity to do good, to make the right choice. It's a stepping stone toward becoming more like Jesus Christ. Notice what Jesus did when he was tempted, Matthew 4.10. Jesus said, Get out of here, Satan. The scriptures say, worship only the Lord God, obey only Him. Jesus confronted the temptation with the truth of God's Word. 
temptation always tests whether you love God more than the temptation. That's what's happening when you're tempted. You know, when I'm tempted by money, it's a temptation. Do I love God more or do I love money more? When I'm tempted by a wrong relationship, it's a temptation. Do I love that person more or do I love God more? When I'm tempted by comfort, do I want to become more like Jesus or do I want to be comfortable? Who do I love more, God or the temptation, God or Satan? You know, obedience is choosing to say yes to God. Obeying is a matter of love. It's not a matter of duty. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, if you love me, obey my command. Now, with each of these points, I've been giving you some practical ideas about what to do. How do I go through this? So, two helps with temptation. Number one, if you want to make it through uh, temptations in life, we have, um, you have to keep focused on good thoughts. The Bible talks about this in Philippians 4.8 when it says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Temptation always starts with getting your attention. And once it gets your attention, that temptation gets you. You cannot keep the thought of succumbing to a temptation and the thought of obeying God in your mind at the same time. But once you turn your thoughts and you focus on those things that God wants you to focus on, then you push the temptation out of your mind. You know, here's a tip I've learned. When you're tempted, don't resist it. Because as you're resisting it, guess what you're doing? You're thinking about the temptation. You're getting into a spiritual tug of war with Satan. So you don't resist it. You just drop the rope. You, you go in a different direction. You think about God's truth. You know, I ask myself all the time, Every day that I get up, who will I serve today? The Bible tells me I cannot serve two masters. I will love the one and hate the other. So will I love Jesus today or will I love Satan today? That is Satan's game with temptation. And the second tip is get a spiritual partner. You know, I know none of us like to talk about our temptations in our sins. But one of the ways to defeat them is to be open about them, to bring them out into the light, out of the darkness, and get a spiritual partner, someone who can help you, someone you can trust. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, you're better off to have a friend than to be all alone. If you fall, your friend can help you up. You know, trust me on this one. There is no greater feeling than confessing your temptations and your sins. So many of us, as we go through life, we have this temptation or this sin that is so overwhelming. It's hidden. It's in the dark. But I encourage you, go tell somebody about it. They're not going to drop their, their jaw. Because guess what? We talked about this already. They face the same kinds of temptations. But here's the question. What temptation are you facing right now? 
And here's the second one. Are you going to choose to obey God and use this as an opportunity to become more like Jesus Christ? You know, God wants to make you like Jesus Christ. It's the third purpose that he put you on the planet for. He wants to build your character now so you can be rewarded in eternity. This life is not what it's all about. This life is getting us ready for eternity. So, so far we've looked at two of the ways that God uses to help us become like Christ. God uses trouble to teach us to trust God. And God uses temptation to, to teach us to obey Him. And number three, God uses trespasses to teach us to forgive. You know, trials are situations designed by God to draw us closer to Him. And temptations are situations designed by the devil to draw us away from God. And trespasses are situations designed by others to hurt us. Yes, there are people in life who want to hurt you intentionally. And that's why the Bible says in the Lord's Prayer, we're to pray, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, this is a tough one. I'll admit that. You know, it's one thing to handle trouble, and it's another thing to handle temptation. But the most difficult tool of all that God uses in our lives to make us like Jesus Christ is this one. It's bearing the hurt from other people without retaliation. This is without a doubt the most important and most difficult step in becoming like Jesus Christ. This step often involves being misunderstood, being criticized, being judged, being hurt physically or emotionally or verbally. In some cases, it may even involve abuse. And let me be real clear here. These are not good things. These are evil things. And if you're in a situation where your life is in danger, you need to leave. And you need to get out of it. And you need to get help. And you need to get healing. God is not the author of evil. God does not cause these things. God hates sin. But he didn't even protect his own son from these things. Even his own son was misunderstood. And he was hurt. And he was judged. And he was abused. What makes us think we will get off the hook? On the cross, Jesus Christ not only carried our sins, he also endured enormous abuse from people. Notice this first verse, Matthew 27, 39 through 44. It says, The people passing by, looking at Jesus on the cross, shook their heads and hurled insults at Jesus. And the elders made fun of him. Even the bandits who had been crucified with him insulted him in the same way. And what was Jesus' response? Let's look at the next verse. Jesus said, Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they are doing. You know, remember a while back when we went through 1 Peter? This verse here is one that really stuck out with me. It's one of my life verses now. It's in 1 Peter 2.23, and it says this. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back 
He suffered in silence. And I love this last part. Intent to let God set things right. What did Jesus do? What was his response to trespasses? He yielded his right to get even. He absorbed the hurt. He put up with the pain. He responded to evil with good. That's what Jesus did. He left it in God's hands. And if you're going to grow up spiritually, if you're going to become like Jesus Christ, you're going to have to learn to do the same thing. And the truth is, in life, you're going to be hurt. This is not heaven. This is a fallen world. Everybody sins. You hurt people and other people hurt you. Sometimes it's intentionally and sometimes it's unintentionally. But if you're going to be like Jesus Christ, you have to learn to forgive. And how do we do that? How do you learn to forgive if you've never been hurt? You can't. You can't learn to forgive unless somebody's hurt you. And forgiveness is one of the primary qualities of God. And God wants you to learn to become like Him. So there are hurts that are allowed into your life in order to make you like Jesus. This is a tough one, so let me give you a couple of tips here. Number one, remember that God has forgiven me. The Bible says, forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. God will never ask you to forgive anybody more than you've already been forgiven. And number two, remember, God is in control. You know, when you're being hurt by somebody else, and yes, they may mean it for bad, God will use it for good in your life. You know, do you remember the story of Joseph in the Bible who was betrayed by his family? You know, his brothers took him out. They so disliked their younger brother, they sold him into slavery, and they lied to their dad and told their their dad that he was eaten by a bear. This was a dysfunctional family. And yet, and yet God had a plan in it all. And Joseph was taken to Egypt and went through all kinds of things. He was falsely accused of rape. He was thrown into prison. The first 40 years of Joseph's life was horrible. This guy couldn't catch a break. And he had no idea why things were going wrong in his life. And yet the whole time, Joseph trusted God and he maintained an attitude of forgiveness. And God knew exactly where he was and had him exactly where he wanted him to be. And over time, God raised him up to be second in command in Egypt. And it was Joseph's plan that saved two nations, the nation of Egypt and the nation of Israel from starvation when a famine came. And and later in the story, the brothers come to this man not realizing it was Joseph, and they went to ask for food to take back to their own home. And when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, they're scared. They think Joseph's going to kill them. And yet this is what Joseph says. It's there on your outline, Genesis 50-20. Joseph said to his brothers, You meant to hurt me, but God turned your evil into good to save the lives of many people, which is being done. 
Would you circle the phrase, save the lives? Joseph said, you meant to hurt me, but God turned it into good to save the lives of many people. God's third purpose for your life is to make you like Jesus Christ. And if that's true, then he's going to take you through everything that Jesus went through. Why would you be exempt? You're his disciple. And that means he's going to take you through a Gethsemane, an experience of trouble where you learn to trust God. He's going to take you through a desert, an experience of temptation where you learn to obey him and to do the right thing. And he's going to take you to the cross, a time of trespass where you learn to forgive. But there is a promise. Look at this last verse, these last verses on your outline. This first one is in Romans 8, 17. It says, we go through exactly what Christ goes through. But here's the good news. Let's look at the rest of this verse. But if we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Amen? Now, I don't know what you're going through these days, but I, I do know that God's, what God's Word said, what God's Word says, and what God's Word shows me, and He shows me what Jesus went through and how Jesus responded to it. And I know that God wants you to have the character of Christ regardless of what you're going through. And I am confident this is how God wants you to respond. It's the last verse on your outline. Let's read it together. This is the memory verse for this week, read it with me. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.5. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, life makes so much more sense when we realize that it's not about us, that it's about you. And it's not about our comfort. It's about our character, becoming like your son. Father, help us to use this life that you've given us for your purposes. Father, we want to grow in character. We want to become who you made us to be. And we praise you and we thank you for the model of Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus in the way that he thinks in the way that he feels, in the way that he acts. And Father, we say to you tonight that if this means taking us through troubled times, then we say, I want your will in my life. And if it means going through a wilderness of temptation, Father, give us the strength to make the right choices. And Father, if that means that I must endure the hurts of other people, then teach me to forgive as much as you've forgiven me. And if you're here tonight and you've never opened up your life to Jesus Christ, I just invite you to say that, Jesus, I can't live this life without you. I want to get to know you today. I want you to come into my life and I want your will to be done. I surrender to you tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.